What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Mic Drop, episode number 71. I am Mike Zacchio. If you've not done so already, please make your way over to iTunes and uh, subscribe, rate, and review to the Daily Mic Drop. I would greatly appreciate it. Just leaving five stars and a quick one or two sentence review really does mean all the world, and I greatly appreciate it. And just to give you a little bit of background on our guest, she's someone that I've had the pleasure of knowing for a few years now. She is the CEO of Smart Girl Tribe, which is the number one female empowerment organization in the United Kingdom. And um, and she's also one of the most sophisticated individuals that I personally know. So uh, please show some love in the comment section to our guest tonight, Scarlett V. Clark. And there she oh my is. God, can you hear me and you can see me? What's going on? I can see you perfectly. I can hear you perfectly. We are all uh, we're all good to go. Oh, good. Well, it's great to see you again. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for, for being on. Like I said, I mean, thank you for being on just in general. But I mean, it's what, nine o'clock in the uh, mm-hmm. at night there? Yeah, it's just gone 9 p.m. Yeah. So, I mean, thank you very much. Like I said, normally we're doing this at eight o'clock my time. And so we're ending at nine o'clock when it's, it's, you know, we're, we're starting it over at your time. So I greatly appreciate it. Thank Um, you. So, so you started smart girl tribe when you were just 19 years old, which is like unbelievable. Um, and you described the inspiration behind it in a previous interview as quote, I felt that women were worth more than we were being told movies, magazines, and ads in the subway were only focusing on three subjects sex, weight, and boyfriends. Someone had to change the system. Someone had to do something. And then I realized I am someone. So what was the turning point for you? And what made you say, I need to be the one to do this? It really was kind of years in the making. For so many years prior to that, I wasn't interested in reality TV or celebrity culture. I really wanted to make a difference and have an impact. My whole life, I knew I wanted to be a journalist or a writer, yet as I was growing up, I started realizing more and more that actually the topics that major women's magazines were focusing on, they just didn't align with my values or my ethos. So then when I was 19, and it was that very first summer that I had gone back to Italy because that's where I grew up and I was attending university in England in Bath when I went back and I started looking into internships I just said to my mum over one conversation I said I don't know how I can go in because they're accepting me for interviews and then I had been accepted for to carry out these internships and I thought and I said to my mum I really don't believe in the ethos of these magazines how can I go and write for them I'm not that interested in writing about how to make him hot how to make him want you how to lose seven pounds in seven days it wasn't me so my mum just said why don't you start your own then and I took that idea I ran with it and then by the time I went back to university after the summer I launched Smart Girl Tribe and now here we are today. I mean props of you for having the self-awareness to like know this is not you know, these are not aligning with my values, but even more props for acknowledging that and saying like having that like integrity to say, I, I can't, I can't do this. Like this, is, this doesn't align with what I want to do. It's not who I am. And a lot of people either just want the recognition of being in these magazines or they just want to say they have a career, but, um, you know, props to you for, for saying like, no, I want more for myself and I want to do something that I can actually be proud of. Um, You said as part of that quote was, you know, you found the magazines were talking about sex, weight, boyfriends, and not the conversations that I or my friends were having. What were some of those conversations that you and your friends were having? So we were talking about our careers, our personal development journeys, the books we were reading, travel, social issues affecting women, 
around the world. I mean, nobody at the time was really talking about mental health. And we were one of the first digital magazines to say somebody needs to stand up and talk about anxiety and depression, but not just give the advice as someone who doesn't know, but give a platform to those who are actually going through those troubles and give them a platform to share their story. Because as I always say to writers and team members, by sharing your story, you could be unlocking somebody else's prison. And that was really the catalyst for it all. But those were the main conversations that we were having that, again, major magazines at the time just weren't. And, and I believe that like everybody has a story and like you were saying, like your story might unlock someone else's prison. So that's why I, I believe in everyone, you know, whether it's you want to do a podcast, you want to start a blog, you want to, you know, just have a, a Twitter account or whatever, just get your thoughts out there because, you know, maybe nobody gravitates to it. But if you do happen to find an audience, you never know what, what group of people you can be helping, even if just, mm-hmm. even if it's just one person. Um, so that's why I think it's important to make sure your voice is, is being heard because there's, yeah there's never too many podcasts. There's never too many books. There's never too many, you know, sources of information out there. I, I don't think, um, if you had to put an initial goal on, uh, on smart girl tribe, when you first started this, like, what would you say is like the, the what was the mission statement? I guess, if you will. Oh my gosh, Mike, I had zero goal. I had no goal. I had no plan. I didn't think it was a business at all. I didn't think of it as a business idea. I very much thought, okay, this is needed. I can't be the only woman on the planet or again, teenager on the planet who is having these kinds of conversations that isn't necessarily interested in again, reality TV and celebrity culture, fame and things like that. So at the time, no, it started as a passion project. And that's all I thought genuinely that it would ever be, you know, I didn't think beyond that. And then a few years in, it had snowballed and it by the time I graduated, it had really become something. And I knew quite early on that I was onto something. But even then, I didn't consider it a real job, if you like. I thought, no, you can't love your real job this much. This is just a passion. This is just a hobby. And as well, a lot of people around me were telling me this wasn't a good idea. It wasn't. And I'm not just saying, you know, the mean girls in high school. I'm saying no actual family members coming up to me saying, we really don't think that you should try and pursue this. And because I was excelling academically at university, I even had professors call my parents in the lead up to graduation and say, we don't think she should be doing this. She should be considering something else, you know, working for the EU. Where would I be now if I had pursued that? You know, hashtag Brexit and things like that, probably nowhere. So it was, it was a struggle when I started, but no, I had zero goal, zero plan. And I genuinely didn't think it would ever become a business. How did you receive that feedback and criticism? Was it more of like you took it as you don't support my dreams and you don't root for me? Or did you see it as like, I see where you're coming from and I like I appreciate you looking out for me? Or was it a mixture of both for you? To be honest, it was definitely a mixture. I mean, at the time, again, being completely honest, it was really hard to hear. And I listened to everybody, everyone who had a piece of negative advice to throw my way to pass across to me, I took it on board. I think, well, of course you're right. You know, you know, Um, absolutely. I mean, 
who did I ever think, you know, I would be by doing this? How can I be a teenage CEO? Because again, introducing yourself at 19 is a bit, as a business owner is one thing, but then saying you're a CEO of your own business, of your own female empowerment magazine is another thing. So I took everything on board. And actually when I graduated, I did get a very prestigious position at an events company I did very well and I lasted I think it was about three weeks and one day and a couple of hours before I quit and I realized actually Smart Girl Tribe that was where my heart lied but I pursued that position because I listened to everybody and it was only by then I got that job when I quit that job that was actually the day when I came home that I decided I was going to move to New York and when I made that decision, that's when I realized that actually nobody else, you know, as I always say, somebody else's opinion of you is none of your business. And only, I always advise people to only take on advice if you're willing to switch lives with that other person for a day. And when I was looking back, I was thinking, I've been listening to everybody, but the only person I haven't been listening to is myself. And that's when I decided to move to New York. And that's, when it really, really, really snowballed. I, I've always admired people who can kind of like, not not brush it up, but like, I know I take criticism like to the teeth. Like some people like, mm. you know, they can take it on to like, no, it, it hits hard. I take it as a personal attack, even though I know a lot of times it's probably coming from a good place and they are looking out for me. But it's just like, like you said, it's really difficult to hear when you say like, this is what I love. This is what I think I'm good at. And, you know, and I understand like they're probably saying it for financial reasons. Like they're, mm-hmm. they don't think it's not, a good project to pursue. They're just like, are you going to be able to support yourself with this? And sometimes it's not always the easiest thing to hear. Uh, Janice is saying in the comment section, there seems, there still seems to be a stigma with mental health, but it's so important. People get sick and might not think twice about going to the doctor if they need medicine or help. And it's okay and needed sometimes to ask, a prof- ask help from a professional and do self care checks and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm very happy with where we seem to be the direction we are heading now in 2020, where like, I see like the people that I follow on Twitter are regularly sharing like, oh, I met with my therapist today, or this is what I learned from my therapist today. Like, it's it's inspired me to want to go to therapy when this is all over and, and whatnot. So yeah, I'm I'm very happy for where things are going, and I, I I applaud you for kind of starting that 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 trend in the UK because I feel like we always heard about mental health as like a romanticized thing, mm-hmm. like oh, this is why you know anxiety being with someone who has anxiety can make you uh, make 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 a, make a better partner, and it's like. I don't know. It's not the probably not the greatest way to uh, to, to frame it, but uh, but yeah. yeah. Uh, how long? I know you said like it started somewhat early on, but like how long did it start to take to gain some traction with the with Smart Girl Tribe? So with readers, it was instant. On day three, I had received forty applications from young women worldwide who wanted to write for Smart Girl Tribe, and on launch day, because I thought. I'm just going to, you know, drop a few emails here and there, tell some friends that I'm doing this thing. I set up this tiny Twitter account and I started on there and I was really putting some feelers out. And on the day that it launched, the website actually crashed because so many (laughs) people were trying to access it at the same time. So yeah, then by day three for readers, it had gained traction pretty instantly. And I had a really, really steady readership. As far as anything else goes, it was probably a couple of years in. I mean, it depends how you measure traction. I was being invited to events. That was something that was quite popular back then. So 
again, for anyone who would be interested in becoming an entrepreneur or pursuing a business, you have to show up. And I was, I was getting the train into London that was a three and a half hour journey, going to one event, then going to another and then coming back on the same night and then having lectures. You know, I was the girl who's going, who throughout university was going to parties, coming in at 2 a.m. and then staying up until five or six, just working on Smart Girl Tribe. So as far as traction, it was pretty instant. And I started being invited to events. It was probably post-graduation. That's when I really, really decided to take it seriously and as a business, because up until then, it was just a hobby and we didn't have a, a particular structure. It wasn't like I was uploading religiously every single week. Every so often I would take a month off for Christmas. I would take that time off. So it wasn't very structured, but traction readership it was pretty instant. I was being invited to events, but then, you know, when it comes to press and things like this and being invited to speak at places that came post-graduation. So if I heard correctly, you said you would still live your, your, your life at university and you can still socialize and whatnot, but then you come home and, and work and, and do what you got to do. Cause I know yeah. some people will like drown themselves in their, their passion projects and their, mm -hmm. their side hustles. So like, I, I guess what were some of your time management tips with it? Is, is it just like, you know, Hey, if you want a party, that's fine, but you still just need to put the work in. Or is, is there another tip that you might have for, for someone? I loved smart girl tribe so much that I genuinely didn't have to think about my time management. I was so excited every single day from when the first blog post went up or the first article, I should say, we only refer to them as blog posts really now, but back in the day it was purely a magazine from the very first day that I uploaded that first article, I was going to bed at like 1am and naturally my body was waking me up at 5am because I was so excited for this venture. When I was back at university, I started realizing more and more that I needed to harness time management skills, predominantly when during lectures, I had to start recording them because I would spend the hour, two hours, four hours, whatever it may be, just jotting and doodling smart girl tribe things and that's when i started realizing that actually i can't do both simultaneously and excel at both so i tried to start i did i started recording my lectures then on the bus back i would start listening to those lectures doing any notes and then when i got home that's when but it all comes at a sacrifice i mean when i look back i think my gosh like how was i doing it because I was also a full-time writer for the student newspaper at the university. I was part of the Fashion Society, French, Spanish, Italian Society. I was dancing. I was part of all of these different clubs. And yes, it does come down to time management. But I think if you love something that much, it's going to come a lot more naturally. As soon as you said, oh, I, I, I needed to start recording my lectures, I'm like, I know exactly where she's going with this. Because like any, I think any true creative or anybody yeah. who has that passion project or passion for a project. Like you, you, it's just the way it is. Like you don't mean to daydream about it or it's just, <laughs> your brain is constantly going of like, you know, Oh, I got, I, I started keeping my, I started keeping a notepad on my nightstand. Cause I'm like, I'm going to jot down story ideas, yeah. article ideas. And then I'm like, I'm forgetting them. Let me just get my, my phone. And then I'll, I'll speak in like, you know, I'll do an article on this and then I can like yeah. play it back. So as soon as you said that, I'm like, I know exactly where she's going with this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I see some, uh, Janice was asking, what would an internship at Smart Girl Tribe look like? It really depends. We have all different types. I mean, I guess the most popular one, if you like, is a writing internship. So 
when I was starting out, one thing I really, really detest is when magazines say you can, or, you know, newspapers, media outlets, yeah, sure, come and write for us. What experience do you have? And you've just started at university and you're looking around thinking, I have no experience. And they're mm -hmm. like, come back to us when you have experience. It's be like, I'm trying to seek the experience. I'm putting myself out there and things like that. So we have a lot, but I would say for anyone interested, then do send me an email. It's super easy. It's, smart, it's scarlet at smartgirltribe.com. Uh, you can just drop me an email. I'm pretty on it when it comes to things like that. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. But we have all different types because now... We obviously have a top-rated podcast ourselves, which is top-rated in two continents. So we have that side of things. We have events as well. We have a really successful event series. We do still have the magazine. So I would say to anyone, just email me if you were interested. And uh, I see one of, one of our viewers, as uh, Cami Mattioli, she was on uh, last week or two weeks ago. And, she, and we were talking briefly about like, you know, the payment of employees and people who work for exposure and whatnot. Like, and it's a struggle, like when you're young and it's like, you know, I want to get a job and people aren't paying or people aren't giving you the, the shot because you don't have experience. But mm -hmm. then also like some companies will give you, you know, the, will give you the experience, but they also won't pay you. And it's like, you know, it's that catch 22 of like, well, do I want to, you know, get the experience, but I'm not going to make any money. I'm going to be putting my blood, sweat and tears in for nothing. Or do I want to hold out and get paid what I'm worth. Like my words are worth something. My, my work mm -hmm. is worth something. So just the fact that she happened to, to join the chat right now, I'm just like, Oh no, that just kind of jogged my memory of that. But I know that catch 22 is, it's tough for yeah. all journalists and anybody like, like my fiance graduated with a master's degree and she couldn't get a job because you know, no one's really hiring or it's, you know, Oh, well, we'll pay you X amount, even though you have a master's mm -hmm. degree and a 4.0, like it's just kind of ridiculous. I think the way the job market is structured and whatnot. Um, what were some of the struggles you faced early on when starting Smart Girl Tribe? I think the easier question is, what struggle did I not face? <laughs> what struggles did you not face? Yeah, just every struggle. I mean, I think probably the one that comes to mind, the most prominent one, is the lack of support from other women. This, okay. to admit, breaks my heart like I find it devastating but that's me again being really honest everything else it comes like you know I was only 19 and I would say to anybody who wants to be a creative you know there is a season in your life where if you want to gain the experience just go for it all and it can be really tough and I'm not saying it's easy and there are so many great opportunities out there that unfortunately do go unpaid I would say you know it's such it's so so tough it's really really hard but back then, I could kind of deal with everything I was dealing with that I wasn't making any money from it. So I've been really transparent about this. In the first two years, I earned 25p, which I think is the equivalent of about 75 cents in, okay. or maybe a dollar. Um, and that was the first two years. Because, again, it was super casual. It was a hobby. It was a passion. And nobody was monetizing websites back then. And I did it because it was needed. I didn't feel that I had to earn money from it. I just loved it so much. And that was the first two years. But everything I could deal with, but the lack of support from women, I had one good friend of mine who also had a blog and she actually approached me. We were such good friends, really, really close. She came to me and she said, I'm sorry, Scala, I don't feel like we can be friends anymore because seeing you do so much is making me feel like I, I'm not doing enough. And that really, really stuck with me for years because it made me, I know, it made me really shrink myself and put myself in a box. 
And it was hard because nobody, not even in my class, but in my entire year, no one else had a business or wanted to be an entrepreneur or was being entrepreneurial. I really, really stuck out in that way. And rather than seeing it's a positive, I saw it as a huge negative. And I even tried to work with some women who would say, oh, I would love to work with you, but you're not quite big enough yet. And of course, these are the women now who are getting in touch with me. And it's things like that. When I see those emails, I get those reminders that it was actually really hard for a long, long period. I had a lot of, and it's so, so fascinating because people wouldn't naturally think of female empowerment like this, but I had a lot of support from guy friends who would ask me questions, who would be interested, who even asked to write for Smart Girl Tribe and things like that. But it was the lack of support from women, that there was some cattiness, there was some jealousy. The mean girls in high school came back into my life and started emailing me, asking for a job and all things like that. So the lack of female support for me personally was hands down the biggest challenge. Everything else I could deal with, whether that be financial, emotional, time management, trying to spin a dozen plates all at the same time. I was able to take everything on board, but that one thing was the biggest challenge. I mean, sure. I, I, because the irony of like, I'm, I'm trying to start a female empowerment yeah. brand. I'm like, I'm doing this for all of us. Like, this yeah. is not just about me. Yeah. Like, so like you're, you're fighting against the very, you know, thesis of what I'm trying to do. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I don't, and, and the fact that I, I feel like that's also very telling of like friends, which I, I was telling one of my friends, one of my actual friends yesterday, like I'm very liberal with the term friends. Like, I think I have a very few friends, but a ton of acquaintances. And yeah. I see someone like that, like the the person you were describing, like yeah. you're an acquaintance at best. Cause like, mm-hmm. if you're telling me you can't be friends with me because you think that I'm diminishing you or shrinking you just by my, my output, I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not saying anything directly about you. I'm not attacking your blog or whatever. Oh, you're yeah. just, you're intimidated by me. Like, are, are we yeah. actually friends to, to begin with? So No, it was tough. Smart Girl Tribe was growing. And a lot of my friends, being honest, again, struggled with it, which then in turn made me really struggle with it because I wasn't being encouraged and I didn't feel very empowered. I was putting it out there. But this I do have to say, I had some amazing supporters in America. And now we have a really strong readership in America. But when I was starting out, that was where I got my support system. And I formed this little group of America, which is why I then moved to New York. I formed this little group of American women who were massively encouraging me. So then it almost throughout my university, it became an escape because I was lacking that support where I was. I had a lot of friends who didn't... um, approached me in the same way I guess as soon as people started realizing that you know it's like oh what are you doing at the weekend Scarlet you know I'm actually heading back to London because I've got fashion week next week that's hard when you're 19 um and I just moved back from Italy as well so I didn't know anybody in England really um and I felt like I was sticking out again (laughs) so then to (laughs) have that on top of that it was a struggle I I would like tell anybody like Anybody that you consider a friend, like wait until like something really good happens in their life. Mm. And when that happens, like do a quick self inventory and like judge your reaction. Like if you are not legitimately head over heels, happy for them, are you really like, I think you really need to reevaluate 
your friendship with them, um, whether again, promotion and engagement, getting married, having a kid, pregnancy announcement, whatever. Um, I'm just, I, I don't, I'm very sensitive to that whole, like, you know, you say you're my friend and you say you're rooting for me, but then something good happens and, you know, then, I, then I don't hear anything from you. So it's, I'm very aware of that. Yeah. So that's what I would say to anybody else. Like if, yeah. if you're not getting, feeling that love when you're winning, remember who's not clapping for you. Um, <laughs> So the, the when the mean girls like who you know bullied you or, or were mean to you when they start reaching out to you for jobs or when the the companies that were like you know yeah no come back to us later kid kind of mm-hmm. thing now when they start reaching out to you is your reaction like screw you like or or is it no and I'm gonna prove you wrong and like now like I'm gonna kind of bask in that like revenge almost like what how do you feel about that to be honest it doesn't bother me at all i kind of made because i started a business so young with no economics degree no kind of business qualification i didn't even know what a business proposal was at the time and being honest i still don't know now it's always happened as a fluke um i've always really stood by my values because those are the only things i have they, for me my values are my core pillars that I have to go back to my core pillars and be able to sleep at night and be able to look at myself in the mirror every single day and be proud of the woman I'm being because I feel like for myself but also because I feel like I have a responsibility and I know that I have younger women looking up to me and I remember who that woman is every day and so because of that no I don't let it get to me I don't you know there are a couple of things that you notice I know some um editors at the very beginning you know they now follow me on instagram and i do have you know the mean girls in high school the bullies who do follow me and who do get in touch and things like this but honestly now it's just water off a duck's back it doesn't affect me at all i just push forward and focus on myself i always say winners focus on winning and losers focus on winners and so because of that, I try not to get distracted and I just try and remain true to my core pillars, also known as my values, which my main one for me is just grace. So I try and show grace in every single thing I pursue. And that includes facing mean girls, facing bullies, facing the person who didn't give you that opportunity or the troll who you bump into, <laughs> you know, because I've had that a couple of times so no i just try and stay completely true to myself and my values i love that quote of you know winners focus on winning and losers focus on winners i i think back to i think it was the 2016 olympics when Mm -hmm. michael phelps was racing and there's like this great shot that pretty much encapsulates that quote like you see michael phelps who everyone knows is this master champion like just focused on the finish line and his head is like dead straight and his opponent who was leading for most of the race you just see him looking over at michael phelps and i think that quote is underneath it and it's like mm-hmm. everyone knows michael phelps is a winner and he's focused on winning and yeah. the loser is focused on michael phelps so as soon as you said that like that image always kind of pops into my head mm-hmm. uh someone commented official zelda i've lost a few friends as soon as i was doing well in life and when i was going through my personal growth journey then they're not really your friends i think that's I know that may sound rough or insensitive, but like to me, I think you're better off without them. I would rather like what is it? You'd rather have ten lions than a hundred sheep in your herd. Like yeah. I don't, I don't need a lot of people behind me. I just want the people who really do love me and support me to be in my corner. That's how I feel. Yeah, you're not going to be able to make anyone else warm by dimming your own fire. 
So I think, no, stay strong, go ahead, and you will find your tribe, even if it's not immediate. Your tribe is out there. They may not be in your, you know, close proximity, but they do exist. And when you can't find them, that's a huge pro of having the internet and having social media as we do today. And that's something it took me years to understand because I really struggled with that because I thought it was something to do with me. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I've got girlfriends, best friends as well, coming to me saying they can't be friends with me because they feel that, you know, me doing so much is making them feel like they're not doing enough. That was really hard to come to terms with as a female and my friends meaning so much to me. So I think, no, just push on and you will find your tribe. And and your tribe, like I said, might not be in your town. Like my tribe might not be in Rockland County. Like I I did a, a TikTok live stream yesterday People from Iowa, Australia, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, uh, California, yeah. Texas, like people who I would have never otherwise connected with, but just because I, you know, put out TikTok content, like, you know, cool. I'd rather vibe with these people than people from my own town who are going to shit talk me behind my back. Mm-hmm. Um, Zelda, I will manifest that tribe. Way to go. Like, that's the attitude to keep. That's the energy we want to see in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of 2020, um, where does Smart Girl Tribe fall on the scale of where you thought it would be? by now like is it right where you thought it would be are you further along than you thought you'd be are you not quite where you'd want to be like so because i set out with no plan i mean let's just for anyone interested you know when i started i had zero contacts zero friends zero money and because i was in rural italy i had no phone connection and i had no internet connection so i had literally nothing but an idea And so when I started, I didn't think it was going to be a business at all. It was really the catalyst was two years ago. And I, I mean, you know, I know we're going to be discussing things like this. The truth of the matter is I was in a toxic relationship. I broke up with that partner. And then I wrote down the next day, I vow to make this year, this coming year, the best of my entire life and that catalyst genuinely was humongous i started working with emma watson a lot for he for she i spoke at houses of parliament i was invited to speak at harvard i was being flown around the world to go and speak everything came out of that year and that was 2018 so i couldn't pinpoint one thing and say oh that amazing thing happened And because of that, you know, Smart Girl Tribe really snowballed. No, it's probably that year. And then 2019 that everything kind of blew up for us. Um, That was when everything, I mean, we had already achieved the status of UK's number one female empowerment organization. And we had already done so much. But I really, really committed to it being the best year career wise and personally for me. so, I mean, if I could go back to my 19-year-old self, my gosh, I would hug her and, I don't know, maybe give her some champagne and just say, I know you're going through it now. You know, you've got nothing on your side. Everybody is telling you to give up. Everyone is telling you this isn't a good idea. Um, so I would probably do that now because it was such a struggle. And I think a lot of people look at entrepreneurs, you know, a lot of people look at my life now my day-to-day is, well, not because of COVID, but normally, um, in general, I get to travel the world and I get to speak at places like Harvard University as a female empowerment speaker. Um, 
and I you know have so many projects coming out in the next year that I can't really speak talk about now that so much is going on so when I look back no I had no idea this is where I would be but again everybody would look at my life and think oh it's so glamorous and behind that one glamorous maybe Instagram post is all of the unglamorous stuff it's the grit it's the perseverance it's the hustle it's the tears it's staying up late it's the sacrifices all of that is stacking up you know when people when you see people who are successful they are not standing on a mountaintop of success they are standing on a mountaintop of rejection and failures and setbacks and it's really tough, but you have to push through and you have to show up every single day. So no, to answer your question, I had no idea this is where I would be now. I never set out to do all of this. It was only two years ago, really, that I started thinking, okay, you know, maybe three years, two, three years, that I thought, okay, you know, yeah, we've taken it seriously and I've had some amazing opportunities and I've worked with some incredible brands and really had some incredible, incredible, collaborations and partnerships and we built this newsletter and things like that but that was the year that I decided that we were going to level up and it's just been that was a catalyst and it's just been snowballing really since then uh, I mean I, I love everything you said about the, the fact that like you when people see where you are now like they, that's like some people are just following you now and they just think wow look mm-hmm. at where she is this number one female empowerment group in the UK like you know, you don't see the nights where I'm coming home at two o'clock in the morning and I'm spending another three hours up and like, you don't see yeah. all of that grit. And I think that so many people lose sight of that. They want to be, you know, rounding third, coming home rather than thinking like, I need to pick up a bat and get in the batter's mm-hmm. box first. Like just for any, any of our sports fans out there. But like, so uh, I'm, I'm such an, av- and, and it's something that like, I know I struggle with where like, man, like nothing's like, nothing's gravitating. Like, not that I'm saying I want, you know, 10,000 listen listeners every episode but like when you you know break your back to put an interview together something like that and you do all this work and then you see 25 people tuned in or 25 people watch it's like great like this sucks Mm -hmm. but if you keep at it long enough you never know like it could just take that one interview that pushes you to the next level or just just doing it over time can uh get you to where you need to be uh janice is saying scarlet you're so inspiring thank you for sharing your story and being so encouraging thank you (laughs) Um, so I'm curious for the men who are listening, um, mm-hmm. like who don't quite understand it. Cause I feel like there's a big disconnect between like, I think a lot of guys view when they hear feminism when they hear, see a feminist, they automatically mm-hmm. assume like, Oh, she hates men. And it's like, no, like one, that's not it. And two, like yeah. you can be a feminist yourself as a man. So for you, how would you kind of describe the differences between a feminist, like a feminist and feminism and people who just hate men with the fire of a thousand suns um people who hate men i think anyone could hate men i don't think you would have to be a feminist to hate men i think anybody could be walking around you know um as far as feminism goes equal opportunity equal pay equal representation it's this wild crazy notion that women are human that's what (laughs) feminism is you know um And of course, there are so many layers underneath that. But to sum it up, equal representation, equal pay, equal opportunity. We live in a patriarchal society. People Mm -hmm. tend to think that this means, oh, you know, men have been dominating, white, privileged men. That's not what I'm discussing. That's very surface based. You know, feminism is also women versus women. 
you know, the fact that, you know, we should be representing our black sisters more, our South American sisters more, our Asian sisters more, you know, that's the core of feminism. It's not just man versus woman and feminism has to be intersectional to be considered feminism. It's about inclusion, essentially. It's about pulling up a chair and saying, you deserve to be here. And, you know, pulling up a chair for the next person, the next person, getting them to bring, you know, a megaphone. But it is essentially this crazy notion that women are human. How crazy. How crazy is that? It's a jarring concept. And, like, I'm a... I'm a white male, like by all standards, like I'm like the most yeah. privileged type of person. And it's like, you know, just, just look at, you know, we're like, you know, we're in the U S like every single one of our presidents, except for one has been a white yeah. male. Like that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Like, I'm not saying that just because I am a white male, I'm automatically going to be more successful in life. Like my yeah. fiance makes more than I do, but like I have a, an advantage in the eyes of some people because I'm a white male and that's the privilege. That's what is mm-hmm. unfair. Like people would look at a guy as more powerful or like they'll, that they can lead more than a woman or like, it's like when a woman is ascending to power, like, oh, she's ambitious or she's this. It's like, no, like they're qualified. Like when Elizabeth Warren was running, Hillary Clinton were run, like, no, they're qualified for the job. Like they do a hell of a job, but you just don't like them because they're women. And that's, that's the problem mm-hmm. that we're trying to, to fight here. Yeah. That's the, people need to stop thinking that the patriarchal system is just about white men because it really isn't. It's a system that we have all been a part of for way too long. You break- I lost you there for a second with uh, my, my, uh, my headphone was, uh... are you there now? Yeah, my uh, my headphone disconnected for uh, a brief second there. I I heard the uh, the patriarchal society, and then my my headphone disconnected. Unfortunately. Yeah, we tend to think that patriarchal society. This is just men, and it totally isn't. You know, this is a system that has been in place for centuries, and it hurts both men and women because this is an imbalance that really hinders our progress, and it causes pain and it causes discrimination so it's really feminism is all about inclusion you know changing our language and making sure that women are being represented and all kinds of women as well but it's essentially about inclusion if i had to sum it up which is your question which was your question that's what i would say so i know you're you're seeing someone now prior to to meeting them did you find that you know, men had a difficult time dating a staunch feminist? No, I think it was more me having a problem with them. <laughs> I should have, yeah, I should have. Or did no, you find um, it uh, to be a problem dating uh, men a- as a feminist, I guess, yeah. No, to be honest, in my experience, I mean, this is purely based, you know, your question is based on my dating yeah. history. No, I never struggled. Um I mean, I think that because I'm so in this field, because I have a platform in this field, for me, it has always been vital that maybe you're not the most educated, but then that's an opportunity for conversation and an open conversation. And before I ever got into a relationship with somebody, I always made sure those were conversations that I could have but just as I would a friend you know I couldn't be friends with somebody if they were racist I couldn't be friends with someone if they are sexist 
it's the same. So I never got into a relationship with anybody who was, you know, if that man who I was with couldn't say that he was a feminist, might have been an issue, but I never had to FaceTime that there has ever been a problem was I was on a first date and I met the guy um, and we had met before, but this is our very first date. And he had said, he said to me, tell me you're going to be a working mother on our first date. He said, I need to know that. And I thought, oh, you know, it's one of those moments. Do you want to say check? Yeah. Like, you know, is anyone there? And that was, yeah, that was the only time that in my dating life, I actually had quite a problem because again it comes back to you know feminism is woman's choice uh not feminism is woman's choice but a feminist can be a stay-at-home mom as much as she could be a ceo of a fortune 500 company you know that's what feminism is that's what being a feminist is so the fact that he had the audacity to ask me that was very concerning so, because I, I only because I barely heard the the second half of that part. Like mm-hmm. when a guy says something, if a guy makes a comment like that, do you call him out even if it's on a date and it might be an awkward? Like obviously it's awkward for him to make that comment, but like do you say like yeah no that's that that's an odd you know that's a really bad comment to make or whatever or do you ignore it and then just I'm never going to see this person again? No, I think it comes back to my personal values. My greatest value um, for me is grace. I you know, it's very natural now, but when you're in circumstances like that, I always go back to who I am as a person. So I never directly call somebody out. I never say, oh, you know, that opinion's wrong. I question it. So I say, oh, why do you ask that? Why do you feel like that? What has happened for you to feel like that? Is that important to you? I really try and question things and challenge things because to be honest, I'm just, you know, I'm a natural born journalist. I'm very curious. Okay. So because of that, I try to, rather than go in and say, oh, that's wrong, all that is going to do is that person is going to react because that's the only thing that I've allowed them to do. So they're either going to react very defensively or they're going to act very negatively and ignore it and walk off. But either way, you know, no one in that situation, including myself, is learning. You know, that person could come back with and maybe flip it on its head, I don't know, and potentially educate me. I don't think in that singular situation that could have happened. But when situations like that arise, I try and challenge it and question it, but in the most graceful way that I can without offending anybody, without insulting anybody, because I'm also learning. I am not on a pedestal, you know, saying, oh, I know best. I want to be learning as much as... I'm teaching maybe somebody or educating. So for me, it's just about having a really open conversation. So when I am in situations like that, no matter how hard it is or how many people are in the room or who's in the room, I just try and say, oh, why do you feel like that? What's made you feel like that? How are you hoping to go forward? You know, where does your opinion come from? Things like that. Um, I, I had a question and it just completely escaped my mind in the, in the moment. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, uh a good point is to always get to the why of a situation or the why of a question or what, what, mm. what someone feels rather than just 
taking their opinion at face value. Like you said, like there's a reason why you feel this way. I would like to know why. And then maybe we can try mm-hmm. to find some compromise again, maybe in that singular situation, it probably wasn't going to happen, but in other circumstances, you never know. Um, in, in your experience, cause you lived in New York, you lived yeah. in Rome, you lived yeah. in the UK. Um, was it, what would you say are some big differences between American men and English men, just in the way, I guess maybe they carry themselves in the way, you know, the way they are, or I guess as it, 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 it pertains to, to dating. Yeah, I think the main um, point there to kind of say it's definitely differences. So I'm not saying that there is one pro, one con. Um, my partner's actually foreign. He's half Swedish, half Australian. Okay. So he's not even English himself. I would say things that I have noticed. Okay, so again, all notices that not bad, they come with no judgment yes. at all, not positive, negative, whatever. They're just differences I've noticed. Um, so English guys, uh, if you want to know if they like you, it takes a while. Okay. You know, the first few times, maybe they'll ignore you. They could potentially say something mean. Maybe they'll talk to your friend instead of you. Um, it, they're all very restrained. <laughs> but equally, I find that English men are very chivalrous and very um, gentlemanly, I guess. That's what I've noticed. Um, and they take dating seriously. Um so I was, if I had to sum up English men, you know, I would say, in my experience, you know, I think some English men, um, Colin Firth, maybe, I would say he's a pretty typical okay. English man. Um, so I would say, yes, very gentlemanly, very chivalrous, but sometimes a bit restrained, but very polite, very well-mannered, very put together, very charming. That's how I personally would describe English men. Yeah. Um, and then for American men to answer your question. So first of all, one thing that I loved that I noticed when living in New York about dating, so, something I really admired and I found very empowering. And my mum came out with me for the first week when I moved to New York, you know, to just make sure I wasn't murdered <laughs> or anything. And um, she, we both noticed this. We would go to bars or we would go to our hotel bar and there would be professional women sitting at the bar because they would be there to meet men and they'd be entirely on their own these were professional women you could strike up a conversation with them they were very genuine but they were there to meet men and I loved that because that's not something that we do in England we kind of wait for the guy and we're very shy about it but no women in New York, I would probably say very forthright and they know what they want. And I love that. And one of the main reasons why I love that is because I have so many girlfriends who come to me, Mike, so many. And they say to me, you know, I'm really struggling because my boyfriend, you know, he won't talk to me about proposing. He doesn't discuss, you know, getting engaged. And I say to them, why don't you bring it up? You know, this is your life as much as his. Why don't you initiate the conversation? Why don't you say, this is what you want. This is what you need. This is the age you would like to have children. I think it's quite dated to think that it's all up to the man. 
So I love that about New York. But coming back to men um, in America, so American men on the whole, again, no judgment attached, just a few things I noticed. Very casual, um, which was a stark difference to men in the UK. Just very, they would come up to me and they'd say, you know, I think you're really cute. Like, do you want to go for a drink or do you want to go out or do you want to hang out? And, but very, very casual. It tends to be what I noticed was in England, if people were asking, or if a guy asked you out, he would say, would you like to go to dinner? We'll meet here. This is the time. Then we'll go here. In America, it's like, you want to go out and then you could be waiting to hear from them for a week. And you're like, um, I don't really know how he feels because they're so casual about it. But equally, that can be a positive because I can't really say this because I'm definitely a relationship girl but if you're dating Americans are quite open on the whole about dating other people before you're in a relationship Mm -hmm. and that's not something that we really again from what I've noticed that we do in the UK it'd be you know kind of when you're courting somebody that's the person you're courting and if you want to break it then then you can date somebody else from what i've noticed whereas in america they um i found men to be a lot more relaxed but that might be because they found women to be quite forthright because i did have men approach me and they'd say let's go out on this day and then they would say oh you never messaged me to know the time and i think what you know, weren't you supposed to message me at the time? Um, things like that. But the, just a few things I noticed. But no, um, I wouldn't say one's better than the other. Because again, I grew up in Italy. And like you said, I've lived in Dublin, Rome, Barcelona, um, kind of everywhere. So I've taken in a mix of, you know, what guys and women alike Um when it comes to dating. So those are just a few things I've noticed. I, I remember when you visited New York the first time when we first met, like I got like a crash course in like dating etiquette, so to speak. Cause I remember like, I asked like if you wanted to go to the city or something like, I, I, I know we went to the city, but like I remember asking to make plans and we, we made plans like for a Saturday. And then like, I think I reached out maybe like the Friday or something like that. Like to, I guess to confirm and you were like, Oh, I haven't heard from you all week like so i i assumed we were off or something like that and i was like oh i didn't and then it was like kind of that like disconnect of wow this is like the the cultural shift because like some people are like yeah no i like we don't need to talk throughout the week and and whatnot so i guess for you like if so today if today is monday and we agree to go out saturday like what should be like the proper decorum in terms of like following up it, it should, should it not be understood that like okay we made plans for saturday at seven o'clock like I'll see you Saturday at seven o'clock. Like, should there be some kind of setup along the way, like for, for people or. I think maybe, I mean, as an English woman saying this, I think if I went out with somebody on the Tuesday and then they said to me, okay, do you want to hang out on Saturday at seven? If I said yes, I probably would think they'd text me maybe on Thursday or call me. This is another thing that, um, I noticed this is might just be a me thing. Um, I prefer, or I did, um, prefer guys to call as opposed to text because I just think it's etiquette. I just think it's courteous to call me. Don't just text me throughout the day. Really try and get to know me. I would rather save our conversation for when we go out. So I would maybe say me being me, call me or message me on Thursday and say, 
we're definitely meeting at seven. This is where we're meeting. We're going for dinner. Then we're going for a show. Um, but that's definitely a British thing, maybe. We're very, very punctual. We love times <laughs> and we love set dates and we like not changing plans. So I would say that's probably a British thing. But then a me thing might be that I like, I prefer calls as opposed to texts. Okay. No, I, I remember when I was single, I remember hating being on the apps because I would like try to do that. I would try to make like, this is the mm. day we're going to get together. This is the time we're going to get together. And this is what we're going to do. And I would find like a lot of girls would be like, oh, we'll figure it out. Or like, um, like any time should work. Like any time in the afternoon or any time at night. Like, well, are we talking seven or nine or ten? Mm. Or like, I, I, I kind of want to know. Not that I'm trying to book other dates around you. I just want to have an idea. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very much with you in that. Like, I kind of like that punctuality, so to speak. And then thankfully I found someone who has the same ideals and values as I do. Um, mm -hmm. I, we have like about five minutes left before Instagram's going to kick out, kick us off. Um, I'm an idiot. So I do, you know, these, these daily segments today, Wednesday being would, the, would you rather Wednesday questions? I forgot to write down what the results of the polls were because I'm an idiot. And because my circadian rhythm is all, is all off. Um, but in any case, I'll ask you the five, would you rather questions? You're going to give me your answer. And since we don't mm -hmm. have the poll results, I'll give you my answer. And then I'll just have to put the answers in, okay. in the uh, post-production. So uh, the first would you rather question, would you rather be rich or famous? You cannot be both. Rich. Okay. I, I would have chosen famous because I feel like I want to reach people. And like, I, I, feel, like, mm. I feel like I don't need a lot of money because I've never really had a lot of money. Like, I just need a livable wage. But if I can reach people with a livable wage, like, I would prefer that than having just money. But I, that's interesting. I guess when I think of fame, I think of paparazzi and I think of a lot of people knowing who you are yeah. and where you are at all times. And to be honest, I would just rather live in a big lake house with the person yeah. that I love just doing doing my job in the world, not knowing who I am. So I think of really like grotesque fame when I think about that. Yes. But I can understand your sentiment. You know, if you have I mean, particularly me, I've got a message and a mission and the more people I reach, you know, potentially the more lives I can change. So no, I understand. Yeah. Oh no, I, I would not want that. Like I don't, I can't go anywhere or whatever. Like I'd want the platform yeah. to reach people, but not the yeah. allure of like everyone following everybody. No, no. Um, the second, would you rather question, would you rather love your job, but, but struggle financially or hate your job and live uh, comfortably with your salary? Love my job and struggle financially. 100 percent <laughs> okay i would probably suck it up and like because and again i think this comes to like me never really making a lot of money in my life that i'm like and i've, all, I've also never really i mean i liked my job before covid but i was only there for five months um but i've never had that i love my job i'm loving everything about mm -hmm. this but again maybe if i had a like a livable wage and it was just tough um that would be one thing but for right now i sit there and think if i could make six figures but i would hate my job like i would take that probably um, yeah, I understand. See, I've only ever loved my job because is this because this is the only job I've had. Yeah. I've never known any different, so I could not imagine. You know, when I did those three weeks when I graduated, because I listened to everybody and their advice, I just I literally couldn't handle it. Like my soul couldn't handle it every day. My whole life was being ripped apart purely because I was pursuing a job I didn't enjoy. Um, Quite the third would you rather question would you rather have a partner who is a gifted musician or cook 
cook because my boyfriend's a terrible musician <laughs> and he would admit to that, but he is an amazing cook and I would not sacrifice his cooking skills <laughs> for singing. See, I can sing um, and I was part of like the choir and I would sing in school and things. So I can bring that, but no, I would not sacrifice his cooking. I, I'm a very picky eater. So anyone who like really, really knows me knows that I would have probably chosen, I'd rather have a gifted musician, so like someone who could sing or play piano or guitar or whatever. Um, but yeah, I haven't, again, I haven't seen the poll results. I'm willing to bet mm -hmm. that people select to cook with like 85%, if not more. Like, like yeah. knowing my audience, I feel like they're going to be lean more on cook. Um, would you rather have, assuming you want to get married, would you rather have a w big wedding or a small wedding? Oh, it depends how big and small we're going. Um, small being like, you know, like a small intimate affair and big being like, you mm. know, the bells and the whistles, you know, the, you know, the, the big church, whatever, you know, the, you know, ball, ballroom reception hall, you know, 200 guests, you know, the, the, the works, so to speak. I would probably say if it was 200, I'd say small wedding, wedding, but I would say intimate, timeless and elegant would be my wedding, but small, maybe 70, 50 to 75. Okay. Um, yeah. And the final, would you rather, because I know the two minute warning is coming down now. Um, would you rather disagree with your partner on marriage and kids or politics and religion? What one would I rather? Yeah, which would you rather disagree with them on? Like you don't see eye to eye. Politics and religion. Okay. But it's very hard because I studied politics at university. So if I get into a politics debate, I can really go. <laughs> um, so I would probably say I'd rather get into politics and religion. As a, you have to have the same values. Of course. And if you're thinking about being with this person forever, no, I wouldn't like to disagree about major things there. So I'd say religion and politics. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah, I, I would rather. Well, what was he? Yeah, what would what would you rather disagree with them on? Like, I would probably say marriage and kids. I guess I'd rather disagree. Like, I can't marry like a Trump supporter. Like, I just can't do it. Um, mm -hmm. so so like that's like for me. Like, but religion, it's fine. I don't care. Um, but like if if she said like, hey, I don't want to get married one day, but we can be together, or I don't want to have kids, like I can kind of live with that a little bit more often but um how fascinating I know, like and and i i hate the the instagram live format of like live streams because now it's kicking us off in in 35 seconds um so um That's but okay. Scar Scar i'm gonna plug all your stuff in the comment section i'm gonna put up all the like the all your handles and whatnot on on, on the screen in post-production and whatnot but thank you so so much and like i said i know it's late there it's you know 10 o'clock now your time i i greatly appreciate you you uh being on here it's been great catching up with you and I wish you all the best with Smart Girl Tribe. Yes, thank you very much. And I will see you in New York, hopefully not too far into the future. I'm looking forward to it. Have a good night. and uh, Thank you so much for having me. Too. I'll see you later. Everyone else, thank have you. a great night and have a great weekend. Peace.